I love how I just took uh, recording voice notes to <laughs> pushing the edge of the genre. I think that's when we know what to call it. <laughs> what genre are we, do we call it? <laughs> when, when when I take the spin job to pushing the end of a genre, I, I think uh, <laughs> it was all good, that babbling, buttery goodness. But hey, he pulled genre. out that bullshit about how he's revolutionizing podcasting. We're changing the game. <laughs> We're changing. We're on that new shit, bro. <laughs> you don't know about this. Settle in. Boom. Welcome back. Season two. Guys. Wow. We made it. We did. We survived. Uh, For those of you who, uh, who listened to season one and reached out to me, several people did, John, reach out to me. Get out of ask, here. Uh, three people on the Twitter. Okay. Fair. I'll take uh, it. He is better than none. And you know what? Shout out to those guys. Michelle, if you're out there, you're, you're, you've been a great fan. Thank you. Um, several others. You know who you are. You know, they really, uh, they reached out and they were like, you know, what's going on, man? So I, want, I wanted to give you that little nugget. That's great. Yeah, man. Season two. We're in the house. We want to come, we want to come at you with more of what we did last season, but we really want to take a deeper approach. We want to talk to, um, some interesting people. We want to, we want to understand what we uncovered last season. I think last season we sort of went through a smorgasbord of topics and we sort of got our feel for how we feel about the world. I feel like, uh, last season was when you're planting, like uh, seeds, you know how you have to just hack and aerate the soil and just tear things up. Yeah, yeah, that's, totally. That's, there's no direction. That's right. Um, but now it feels like we have our legs under us. We sort of understand what gets us going. But also, we we left a lot of questions open in season one that I'm really, really looking forward to getting to in season two. Mm. I uh, still will have mediocre structure, but uh, <laughs> and I'll, I will I will my, continue to try to rein you in. <laughs> I'll bring my A game personality. We'll see. All right, man. What's been going on? What's what's the first topic on the old doc? Um, I'll I'll, I'll vent, get a, yeah. get a little something off the chest. I mentioned it to you briefly earlier when I spoke to, you and I was like, "Yo, we're recording." You're like, "Yo, we're recording." Uh big yeah. month, LGBTQ month, Pride been month. Going on there. Yeah, big marketing, big a marketing. A lot of flags month. going on. Got nothing wrong, and this is going to sound that I'm not racist, but. But no, seriously, I, I don't have anything wrong with the LGBTQ community. What I would, if I were a member of that community, be kind of pissed off about is this crazy marketing with rainbow flag logos everywhere. It feels louder this year, doesn't it? It, it feels louder, which is not necessarily a bad thing for the, the pride community per se. But mm. I feel like that there's a lot of marketing pandering going on. What do you mean by that? Everywhere you go, there's like... <laughs> Excuse me. On social media or online, every company has changed their logo to some rainbow flagged version. Well, Apple has always done that, right? Traditionally. Well, Apple's original logo was that. Right. Was that LGBTQ? Uh, LGBTQ? No, they tie? had the rainbow apple. I don't think that that was the tie-in. If that okay. was, that was a great early tie-in. But it's become such a huge marketing tool. Aside from the political movement behind it, aside from you know the the obviousness of Pride yeah. and your freedom of expression and marriage and 
sexual orientation, things like that. There's just been this overwhelming amount of marketing associated mm-hmm. with it, similar to the time about breast cancer and pink and everything that was happening with uh, breast cancer in October and everything being pinked out. Right. 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 And I felt like that was a huge marketing thing, too, which was good. I mean, they raised a good amount of money, but this just seems that they're just there's just this pandering to the community. Like, do people really care? I don't know. Do corporations really care? I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe I'm cynical. But have you not seen that? A, a lot of just. Well, well, my first question is, is why? So first, I'm so I didn't notice it until you mentioned it. And honestly, since you mentioned it a couple of days ago, uh, I've been on Twitter a lot and I just I've been inundated with really like LGBTQ themed like arguments and it was sort of tied into the Jewish, you know, the anti-Semitic experience. Um, and so for me, that was really weird. And so I thought it was sort of a, a Jewish Twitter conversation. I didn't realize it was bigger. But my first question is, why? Well, why do you think it's bigger this year? I mean, it, has, has something happened in society that, that would lend itself to them, you know, this group getting louder? Or is it just a, well, a natural progression? Group. I don't think it's the group. Uh, the group is fine. I think they've they've achieved uh, something huge and it's historic and monumental. Uh, but I think it's the companies now saying like, Oh, that's a big movement. You know what? Let's make our logo rainbow flagged now so we can attract some of those buyers of that demographic or, uh, so we can pander to those people and make them. I, I, I feel like they're, I don't know. Do it you think that like, it's all corporately driven? I don't know. Uh, I don't know, but it just seems like there's so much marketing gimmick associated with it. That it's not of pure uh, pride intentions as its inception. I don't know. I'm just an outsider looking in. I support the community, right. whatever they would like to do. Uh, you know, it's a it's a free world, uh, and whatever relationship you have with somebody else, it's your business. Um, but at the same time, I feel like that there's this this like, oh, that's a big community. We need to tap into that. Rainbow flag our logo. It's Pride Month. Okay, so definitely the marketers are, don't come from a good place. Like I, I think if you're good place, uh, bad place, it's sure. just right. the marketing gimmick around it is what bothers me. Right. And how? Well, how much of it? Well, I have two questions. How much of it do you think is is a marketing gimmick that's tied to like corporate greed, and how much of it is the LGBTQ community like just benefiting from the fact, even if it is BS, right? Like even if are if, they still benefiting? I'm sure they are. There's a wider right. brand sort of acceptance. Right. Right. So so that's my point. If you're in the community, right, for you, this is a win win. There's no is downside. Not, is there is it not like you're taking my cause for your marketing purposes? Well, that's the first topic I wanted to dive into, actually. That's a great point. It's like all this virtue signaling that's going on. And like, I don't know. Well, well, let's break it down. Right. If you are in the LGBTQ community, what you really want is a conversation. <laughs> and again, right. I, I don't mean this to say that I know. I don't know. Right? <clears throat> yeah, I certainly don't have that experience, so I'm not speaking from experience, but I would <clears throat> I would venture to say what you really want to have is a conversation. The more people are having a conversation, the better it is. It's the same way I feel about anti-Semitism. When anti-Semitic stuff happens, I think the more time we talk about it, the better off we are. Sure. So if, if you're going to blow it up and make it into a whole debate and you know turn it into this like cross-cultural sort of phenomenon, even if there's negative aspects to it, as a Jew, I'm happy we're having the conversation. So, so what you're saying is there's no such thing as bad press. 
I think as any marketer would tell you, there's no such thing as bad press. So sure. as a business person, I identify with that. <laughs> you know, that's, sure. that's sort right. of my, right, right. my first thing. But I don't know where it's driven from. I think you're right. It's probably corporately driven. But at the same time, maybe maybe it's just today's world. Maybe the acceptance is there and social media has allowed it to grow louder. So my question is, why was that acceptance not there from the inception? And now has this delayed fuse of this like, oh, yeah, yeah, we care about that community. Rainbow our, our logo real quick. I think the answer is because you can't really gauge loudness. Like what's loud to you today is loud to you today, but you don't remember the shit that went on four and a half months ago on Twitter. Like what was the outrage then? It could have been anything. No, no, I don't, I'm not saying that there's an outrage around it. I'm just saying that. I, I just where, mean that where, that where were the rainbow stay. logos of companies like a year ago, two years ago when same sex marriage and Supreme court ruling, there was none of that going on. But now I think that they're like, Oh, this, the demographic is huge. They have good market influence. Let's rainbow our logo. So here, here's my thought. My thought is that essentially it's, it's almost like, okay, look, what's more dangerous, getting on an airplane or getting in a car? Most people who don't know, you know, it's a car, but most people would think it's an airplane, right? Why is that? Because you hear about airplane crashes. You don't hear about car crashes all that much. So I think this is sort of the same thing. Like, I don't remember how loud it was last year. Maybe it was loud and I totally missed it. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Right. Maybe I was disgruntled and annoyed by something else. <laughs> well, the chances are that we were disgruntled and annoyed sure. as a society about something else. So I'm not exempt. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, so I think that I think that that's one aspect of it is that is that loudness is, is tough to measure and tough to recall. But at the same time, I don't know. Like, is this a, is this at the end of the month? Like, is this a whole month thing? I'm not sure I understand that. The, it's the month. No, it's Pride Month. Is it not? That's a month. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's pretty cool that they got a month. Who determines that? How does it become a month? That's pretty cool. Yeah. There's got to be a body, like a society. Of some sort. body. Yeah. I mean, because like, who decides the days? Like, today, tomorrow is every day is a national day of something. Yeah. What's with that? All of a sudden, there's a national day of like, oh, you didn't know today was National Donut Day. Oh. uh Oh, I can't wait for Tuesday. That's National Taco Tuesday Day. Like, who, who, why, why are these things things? You know, uh, it's something I don't understand. And it's been that way for a long time. It's been that way since we've been kids, actually, if you, if you really look back at it. That's up uh, there also with uh, – I'm going to go on a little side tangent and rant a little bit. But uh, you know what? All of a sudden, there was a point in time in uh, marketing yeah, when they were like, oh – Bernie and Phil's, yeah, that's the official mattress store of the Red Sox or something <laughs> crazy. That's the official furniture store of X, Y, and Z. S- since when? Since always. <laughs> since they paid for it. <laughs> right. But what I'm saying is like, oh, so you're to tell me all all athletes of this team get their furniture there? Is that how it goes? I that's doubt crazy. it. Crazy. No, that's asinine. <laughs> anyway, well, I always found that. I remember the first time I heard Duncan Don't. I remember Dunkin' Donuts was like an official sponsor of, of, of a team. And I remember that yeah. being really weird. Like, what? Yeah. Like, they're not eating donuts. That makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, uh, so the second thing I wanted to get I guess to. the classical example, sorry to cut you off, is uh, the Olympic Village being sponsored by McDonald's every year. Or yeah, every year. Listen to me. Every year. The Olympics, every year. But that's, uh, that's always the case. 
Just wait till 2020 when we're dealing with Tokyo. That's crazy, man. Is it Tokyo? Is it in Japan? It's Japan, right? 2020 Olympics? I believe so. Did I just make that up that it was Tokyo? I, I think you're, that sounds right to me. I don't know. My, I don't know. Fake news, maybe. Who knows? That sounds right to me. You heard it here first. Season two with double the ignorance. Boom. <laughs> um, yeah, so moving on. Uh, the second topic I wanted to get to today was the controversy that was missed today with uh, Kyle Kashuv having his Harvard acceptance rescinded, rescinded due to uh, inflammatory racial comments he made back in 2016 when he was, I believe, a sophomore. Whoa. Um, so did you read much of the story or, or can no, I get this include is, you? This is breaking account? to me. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the facts. Um, and then we're going to talk about it. And I'm actually going to read some of his tweet storm because I think that it's important to hear his own words. I don't even know who this guy is. What's his name? Okay. All right. So for those of you who don't know, the story that broke today uh, was a, uh, about a gentleman by the name of Kyle Kashuv. Kyle Kashuv is now um, he is a Parkland shooting survivor where I work. I actually work in Parkland, Florida. I have in three, for three and a half years. And I, I know a lot of kids personally who have gone to Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School where the shootings occurred. Uh, what was it a year and a half ago? Last February. Kyle Kashuv is a gentleman who graduated this past year, who was uh, uh, accepted into Harvard University. He uh, holds political right-wing views, and he's very politically active. He has meetings. He had has he has had meetings with Donald Trump, several members of Congress, several members of the Senate. He's uh, he has r- risen to a I don't want to say authority, but he has risen to relevance uh, in the wake of the Parkland shooting. So so far so good. Okay. Okay. Uh, a very impressive young gentleman. Uh, I don't know if you know of uh, you know the other names, Cameron Caskey, all the other guys, um, Emma Gonzalez. No, and the only one that I uh, I don't like is David Hogg. David Hogg is another one. That of them. guy just seems like a smug little cheeky mother trucker. I don't so, like him. Anyway, um, let me read to you what happened. This is similar. To, I guess uh, you know how people like look at Martin Scarelli. Yes, and they get annoyed. They get like a visceral like, oh, this guy. I get that same reaction with him. Uh, to a large degree. All right, let me read this out. It was a, a thread on Twitter that he published that I, I'm just sure. going to read to you. It's about nine tweets, and I'm going to read to you some of his own words. Harvard rescinded my acceptance. Three months after being admitted to Harvard class of 2023, Harvard has decided to rescind my admission over texts and comments made nearly two years ago, months prior to the shooting. I have some thoughts. Here's what happened. A few weeks ago, I was made aware of an egregious and callous comments classmates and I privately made years ago when I was 16 years old, months before the shooting, in an attempt to be as extreme and shocking as possible. I immediately apologized. Here's my apology. I'm going to read you some of the words. Um, of his apology, because I believe it's important for you to gain context here. So here are two paragraphs that he wrote. We were 16 years old and made making idiotic comments using callous and inflammatory language in an effort to be as extreme as shocking as possible. I'm embarrassed by it, but I want to be clear that the comments I made are not indicative of who I am or who I've who I've become in the years since. This past year has forced me to mature and grow in incredible dra- in an incredibly drastic way. My world, like everyone else's Parkland, was turned up, upside down on February 14th. When your classmates, your teachers, and your neighbors are killed, it transforms you as a human being. I see the world through different eyes and I'm embarrassed by the petty, flippant kid represented in those screenshots. I believe those I've gotten to know since I believe those I've gotten to know since know that I'm better that I'm a better person than that. I can and will do moving forward. So so far so good, right? This stuff resurfaces, he uh, immediately issues an apology. Okay. So far, you know, do you have any any questions? What, what did he say when he was 16 years old? 
Uh, he used the N word, uh, with an adjective. I don't remember the adjective, but it was, okay. it was, it was an, it was N word. Well, not with, okay, but right. Not okay. He used the N word when he was 16 years old. Sure. Okay. Multiple incidences? So far, just once, or was I, he trying was, to? One time it was in a Google Doc. For those of you who don't know, it's a shared document and it was with his classmates. First of all, why would you do that? That's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Right, let, let's save our analysis if for if you're going to say racial epithets, well, why would you say them in a group share with your classmates or something that's cloud backed up, whatever? Fine. Well, let's, you know, look, fair enough. Let's just Second talk about all, the fact. He was how old? 16? How old is he He now? was 16 at the time. It re, it surfaces. Oh, 16, how old is he now? He's he uh, like time frame. He's 18. Oh, two years later. Two years later. He issues an immediate apology. Okay. Tweet three. After I issued this apology, speculative articles were written. My peers used the opportunity to attack me, and my life was once again reduced to a headline. It sent me into one of the darkest spirals of my life. After the story broke, former peers and political opponents began contacting Harvard, urging them to rescind me. Harvard then sent this letter stating that Harvard reserves the right to withdraw an offer of admission and requested a written explanation within 72 hours. I responded to the letter with a full explanation, apology, and requested documents. I won't read you what he wrote, but it's very articulate and very fair. He basically says, I'm sorry. I, 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 I was incorrect. It was me. I have, been, I have become a better person. A huge event happened since then, and I want to be a better person. So far, sure. so good. Okay. Sure. I also sent an email to the Office of Diversity and Inclusion to seek guidance on how to right this wrong and work with them once I was on campus. Sure. Cool. Harvard decided to rescind my admission with the following letter. They basically tell him to screw off. He said, uh, they say in the letter, as you know, the committee takes serious the, qu- the qualities of maturity and moral character. Uh, and after careful consideration by the committee, we have decided to rescind your admission. That's pretty much all the letter says. Okay. Next tweet. Somewhat ironically, the Office of Diversity and Inclusion sent me this response regarding my apology. Thank you for your email. We appreciate your thoughts and reflections and look forward to connecting with you upon your articulation <laughs> in the fall of 2020. That's funny. After receiving Harvard's letter revoking my acceptance, I responded by asking for the opportunity to have an in-person meeting to make my case face-to-face and work towards any possible path of reconciliation. Harvard responded by declining my meeting request. Harvard decided... Harvard deciding that someone can't grow, especially after a life-altering event like the shooting, is deeply concerning. If any institution should understand growth, it's Harvard, which is looked as looked to as the pinnacle of higher education despite its checkered past. Throughout its history, Harvard Harvard's faculty has included slave owners, segregationists, bigots, and anti-Semites. <laughs> if Harvard is suggesting that growth isn't possible and that our past defines our future, then Harvard is an inherently racist institution, but I don't believe that. Two more tweets. I believe that institution and people can grow. I've said that repeatedly. In the end, this isn't about me. It's about whether we live in a society in which forgiveness is possible or mistakes brand you as irredeemable as Harvard has decided for me. So now what? I'm figuring it out. I've given up huge scholarships in order to go to Harvard, and the deadline for accepting those other college offers has ended. I'm exploring all options at the moment. End of tweet story. Wow. I'll, stop. I'll stop for your questions. Wow. Uh, there's a lot there to unpack. Uh I think the theme of of maturity and life changingness and it's it's ridiculous and I think that's a narrative that needs to to change I think people can change uh and I think it's a even if this guy let's theoretically go out on a limb 
were a vehement, huge, uh, whatever, racist, white supremacist, whatever you want to call them, right? I'm listening. Yeah. Why wouldn't you, this is maybe a bitter pill to swallow, accept them in the community and have them exposed and see firsthand that's not the case? Okay, that's a fair question. Well, let's start at the beginning. So let's talk about the facts. Okay, he said, let's talk about 16. Because most people that share those opinions of whatever it may be, all the phobias and isms and things like that, just have never been exposed and have, you know, if they're racist, never met a minority, interacted with a person, doesn't have minority friends, doesn't understand the culture, uh, doesn't get the language, if they're homophobic maybe it's because they've never actually had any interacted with anyone that's a homosexual or you know it's like i'm a firm believer in exposed to everything and all walks of life because then you can uh realize that we're all kind of the same shit at the end of the day right so why decline them that opportunity and in doing such they're declining them growth i think even if he were this negative nelly that they paint him out to be or if he in fact has changed or not but also the the huge issue is that this is a private institution, right? They can Absolutely. rule and regulate any way they want. They have the ultimate say to rescind and accept, and it's not really up for discussion and argument. Whether they should and if it's right or wrong or whatever is a different story. And and whether they should, you know, make and break people's futures, fine. But at the same time, they are a private institution. They reserve that right. All right, let's start at the beginning. First of all, I don't know if you know anything about 16-year-olds, but actually I know you do because you've been a 16-year-old. Yeah. Not only are they immature, I'm not not you, but if you're listening out there, if you've ever, ever met or been a 16-year-old boy, you understand that they are very stupid. Okay? I don't think there's a single person that's like 16-year-old males. The peak of intellect, let me tell you. The prefrontal cortex has not come in yet fully, has not fully grown into its into its potential. Okay, Their brains are still growing. This is not to excuse his behavior because no one will ever excuse his behavior, including himself. So this is not about excusing. Gosh, I think you put an extra T in cortex, but that's okay. My point is this. If you're 16 years old and you're you an said something stupid, you're, totally you're just another 16-year-old. Now, first of all, that's first of all. Second of all, I, I think the thing that, that is most important here is – look, look. As he said himself, we can find countless, countless hypocritical aspects of this, right? We, I could sit here and tell you, well, this, this person is an anti-Semite and he works there and this person was a slave. Forget that. Forget all of that. Let's just get go to its most basic level, okay? He said it most poignantly. He said, Harvard's faculty has included slave owners, segregationists, bigots, and anti-Semites. If Harvard is suggesting that growth isn't possible and that our past defines our future, then Harvard is an inherently racist institution. The point is, is that once you decide that anything you've said in the past can be held against you and you do that, then you're saying that you're irredeemable and it's over for you. Where do you draw the line? Somebody that's 16 is drastically different from somebody who's 18, who's drastically different from someone that's 20, who's drastically different from 22 and so on and so forth. I mean, if you look back, it's and not only that, but you're declining the opportunity for someone to learn. Right. And grow and and. Remediation, rehabilitation should be different from punishment and being punitive. We as a society believe in rehabilitation, do we not? We should. Well, well, hold on. As a society, why do we have jails? Well, 
that's a whole conversation for another time. But yes, the whole thing with corrections institutions are to correct and, and, and put the person, you know, in hopes exactly. of getting them in the right path and re- rehabilitate them institution. You're and bring them back right. into society. Whether that happens or not and whether there are some sets, subsets of people that are beyond repair is a big question mark. I think there are some people that unfortunately have to be institutionalized. Well, the point is this. If if you were telling me that this person is irredeemable, then that also means that there's no place in society for anyone who's ever been to prison. Like that's that likes to be the case. That's fair. Right. We can't live in absolutes. Yeah. And and for you to tell me that that, oh, I absolutely believe that bullshit because nobody believes that whether or not you believe you should give a former inmate a second chance doesn't mean that you don't believe he might deserve a second chance after he's done his time. So yeah. that's just an ex- extreme example. And my point is, 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 is the one thing that I, that I never, the one thing that I really don't want to get to, but we have to get to is that there is a political side to this. Of course there is. Of course there is. There always is. And what I try to do, let me just make this, this one point and I'm going to ask you to jump in. But what I really try to do is never to look at stories that are spun by the right and by the left, because I know that I'm not getting the full truth. I know that I'm getting the spun version. And what I really love is when you get a story and the story is defined by its facts and the facts are verifiable and actionable and traceable. And you can make your own conclusion based on what the right is saying and what the left is saying, because you feel like you have the prime, you know, the, the primal source. You know, what do we call that in research papers? A prime source? I don't remember. Primary source? Primary source, right. Prime, a composite source you're thinking of in a prime, composites and primes. But this is a prime source. It's yeah. it's his own letters. It's his own words. It's 2016, right? It, he's admitted to it. And so in this case, we have facts, and I, I don't understand how, how you can look at this and not look – and, and clearly see a bias on the left. So what's what's the political angle? I don't. Uh, I, I don't. You said he's conservative Parkland shooting survivor. So he's a he's he's a pro gun activist. Ah, uh, okay, I see. So you. So can they want to destroy him. They want to bury him. Yeah. Okay. Obvious. It's it's pretty obvious that they want to bury this guy. Yeah. But think about that, man. Just just for muck raking, baby. It's muck raking. But at the same time, this is. I wouldn't even say yes. He's a man legally. He's eighteen. He's a freaking kid. Is he not? But at the same time, though, there are people that are kids that get convicted of manslaughter when they shouldn't or they get, you know, murder when they, you know, and get much harder sentences or get, you know, instead of like shoplifting, they get heavy time for stupid shit. Let's not get off track here. <laughs> I agree. But I don't my know. Point is- it can go both ways, uh, I think, on this one. But I, I agree. 18 years old, you're not. I mean, you're legally an adult, but are you really an adult? I don't know. But I want you to look at this and tell me how how this is not a smear job, because if he is David Hogg and they find out that David Hogg said the N word in 2016 or 2018, whenever it was, do you believe that David Hogg would be smeared and and kicked out of out of Harvard? I mean, I I just don't understand. I don't know. I, I should hope so. If that's the standard they're setting. I was listening to the conservative show shows that today and they had example after example of people on the left who have made really bad mistakes and they've been kicked off. So the, the guy who represented Harvey Weinstein was it was a professor at Harvard and they, and they basically fired him. So They, they fired him for representing Weinstein as a defense attorney. Yes. 
Think about that. Harvard Law School fired him. Wow. But see, that's tricky, too, because if this guy comes to him, though, doesn't he have a duty to be like, "Ah, I got to provide a defense for him. I can't let him get chopped up totally, even though he's a scumbag. It's part of his obligation to the profession, is it not? Yeah, this is not tricky. This is an, another so then why do they fire the left leaning bias in the face of n- not using logic. And they fired him because he decided to cast his lot with a scumbag like that. Well, do you think he did? I mean, I don't know what the legality is, but if someone comes for you for representation, like obviously you don't have to represent them if you don't feel comfortable. But he's an attorney. Nevertheless, like he's got to take a defense. No, exactly. it's part of his job. Exactly. He is entitled to a defense, is he not? Is, isn't that part of it's the like fact I would love to know uh, the defense attorney for like the Boston Marathon bombers. Right. I think it's this woman who does all these like uh, like last ditch effort cases to like prove that like the system works and you're entitled to defense, even though you like blatantly set off pressure cookers at the marathon. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, if if you're going to buy into the system whole David Hogg, you might as well. You see the pun there? Yeah. I let it sink in. Stupid. <laughs> but you gotta, you can't have it both ways. You gotta let them have a defense, right? I mean. That's exactly right. That's 100% right. That's 100% right. So my point is, is that I could sit here and regurgitate examples that I heard about how this is, how Harvard has become basically this, this puffed institution on the left. Like I can sit there and give you those examples. But the point is, let's just look at this. I don't want to make this political. I just want you as an objective listener out there to look at the facts and tell me how I can read this differently because I don't see how I can. That, that's all I'm saying. Mm, I see what you're saying. And, and so uh, I, I just, I, I think the way he ended it was so perfect. Uh, he said, in the end, this isn't about me. It's whether we live in a society in which forgiveness is possible or mistakes brand you as irredeemable as Harvard has decided for me. I mean, think about that. Even if let's just say the school shooting hadn't happened. And I told you this story and I present to you this articulate, you know, well thought out kid who apologizes and gets out in front of his mistakes and tries to be better and reached out to Harvard to get better before Harvard reached out to him and said, we're, we're basically like asking you to explain yourself before we kick you out. I mean, if I just showed you this kid, tell me that you would think this guy's a racist. I mean, I don't understand how anyone can reach that conclusion. I really don't. And I think that conclusion is based on uh, a reverse stereotype, right? The definition of a stereotype is a small characteristic or attribute that's then applied to everyone else of that group. So, a small characteristic or attribute. I don't know. He, he said the N word, so he's blatantly racist. I don't know if that translates very well. I don't know if it means is it, he is an irredeemable race. That's my only is, point. Is, is he an irredeemable racist? I think some people are racist and they're redeemable, right? Like, and if I, they. If I ask you to describe to me an irredeemable racist, what conjures up in your mind? Oh, irredeemable racist. You you hear all the the genocidal people. Yeah, give me just just point it out. Hitler, obviously, the, the, the elephant. No, but, but today, if I ask you, hey, hey, John, you know, who would you consider irredeemable as a racist? Like, who, what would that I'd person like look like? I'd like to think nobody is irredeemable. I don't I know. Think I think some I, people are irredeemable. Some racist. people, uh, the KKK <laughs> guy, the Grand Wizard of the KKK, David Duke. Sure. Okay. Right? Irredeemable racist. racist. I'd say I'd say if David Duke came to me and said, hey, man, uh, I'm really sorry about what I did. But I think he could change. I don't know. Like, I feel like there is. You think so? I don't know. Maybe I'm naive. I I think the most gross of people can become the bestest of people. They just need time. And 
And I think some of the fastest of people can become the grossest of people. I mean, there is just there. There there has got to be people that can't change. Right. Like Hitler. I don't think he's changing. I mean, if you committed murder. uh, As a racist, but do you think a racially charged murder? I don't know. I think that's pretty irredeemable. I, I'm not sure I'd be able to forgive you for that. Well, why draw the line there, right? Are we saying, oh, is that just punting the ball further down the line of like you've been to prison, you can't be rehabilitated? You've killed someone, you can't be rehabilitated? No, 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 no. I said racially charged. If you killed someone because he was African American, let's say, and that was the only reason, and you were, and you like, you were, you admitted to that, or you were convicted of that? I don't that? listen to that podcast. John is pro racist. <laughs> no, but like, no. I think people can change. I really but, do. You think, but like, won't a lot of time have to go by for you to think that at least? A lot of time, a lot of experience. I don't know. Maybe I live in a pipe dream. I think. No, I, I mean, if he committed murder, he was twenty, and then he's like seventy-five. Sure, maybe, maybe in that case, I, I'll extend an olive branch. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. There's a temporal temporality. I can't even speak aspect to it. Let me just enunciate for because I I don't know the word, so I'll enunciate it. Um, no, but like I think York. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. I didn't do my my warm ups. That's why I'm so off. <laughs> Season two, getting off the rust. Getting off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I again, I want to just make this point one more time. If you're out there and you can show me why this isn't a clear smear job that's charged by liberalism in the face of logic and reason, I want to hear it. I, I really do. Next that's, episode, we need to find a conservative smear job. Well, I mean, those exist too, but but this is different. Just look up anything about Nancy Pelosi and alcoholism. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm sure on both sides there are smear jobs, but there's smear jobs. There's muckraking everywhere, bro. But this is a little different. I mean, this is a well, this is a kid's career too, and a guy's career. His academic career is over, dude. What else you can do? <laughs> well, there are a lot of people that don't get accepted to Harvard that manage just fine. Well, actually, that's a good point, because this is my my last point on this topic. If you're out there and you're Yale or you're Dartmouth or you're whatever else in the Ivy League. What you're you clearly have, not listening to us, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, that's true. But still, you know what they have, my friend? They have an opportunity. That's for sure. They have that's an for opportunity sure. for some great free public free press, like terrific i mean they will be just stick it to harvard just yeah. imagine if yale comes out and it's like all right you know what not you know only what this kid we're, we're gonna believe people can change and mature yeah we're gonna start over here gonna start i got a you. fund we're gonna start an initiative we're gonna start a movement in this guy's name and he's not even a student yet but he will be in the fall <laughs> yeah that would be that'd be some big wig moves uh tell me that wouldn't be awesome howard accepts him no it's got to be another ivy league otherwise it doesn't matter a historically black college. Ah, oh, I didn't even think of that. That'd be like that's the Hail Mary. <laughs> Let's Google the Ivy League colleges. Historically black colleges, man. Morehouse. Howard. Princeton? Are you you're cutting in and out? Are you can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you perfectly. Okay, great. I don't know what there was. There was some lagging going on, that's why. I got Yale, Princeton, Harvard, Dartmouth, Brown. Cornell, Harvard again. And there's only 12 of them. There's 12 of those schools. Historically black colleges? No, there's 12 Ivy League schools. I saw actually a pretty interesting documentary about the one white kid 
at uh, at uh, I think it was at Howard. Very interesting. It was like done by Vice, which I'm a little skeptical. I liked Vice when they started out. Then they took. I thought they were going to be dead center. Then they went off into liberal la la land. They're trying to pull me back in a little bit into the the more middle ground liberal. But uh, I watched some of their stuff. It's pretty interesting. Didn't they get shut down? Vice. Yeah. No, they're everywhere, man. They didn't definitely didn't get shut down. Something happened on HBO where they took them off. Oh, maybe off HBO, but they're still on the tube for sure. They got a heavy presence. Yeah. All right, excuse me. So there's 12 Ivy League schools. If you're one of the other 11 Ivy League schools out there, huge opportunity right now. What you need to do is champion this kid as a hero. And it it won't even matter. It'll go away. This could be a poster child for change, but the thing is he has conservative views, which education, the quote-unquote institution of education, has always been uh, liberal. Why is that? And why is the Ivy League entirely in the Northeast? Do you know? Uh, yeah, because we're the best. No, but isn't that cool? I mean, it's entirely in the Northeast. Yeah. Well, I think that's where historically the oldest institutions of teaching are. You're not going to have, you know, a college in California that's going to be equally as old as a college or university in New England. Well, that's just because they've been around longer, you're saying? Right. I think so. And I think once once that has been determined you can't enter the club it's like done mm. that makes sense yep so it's brown columbia cornell dartmouth harvard university of pennsylvania princeton and yale um yeah no that was my last point on this yeah that was the last point i had boom where else are we going with this um i had another story that i wanted to share Let's unless, hit you it. Ju- unless you want no, to no, jump go in. ahead please um there what, is, what ethnicity is this kid, by the way? Kashuv. You know, I thought he was Israeli. Um, and the truth is that I don't know. But my first, um, my first inkling was that he's Israeli. He said it a couple times, or did you just say it just once? It was once. Interesting. Ah, yes. Kashu's parents immigrated from the United States from is uh to the United States from Israel in the 1990s before he was born. He grew up in Parkland, Florida. There you go. Uh Parkland is is uh it, it's a really really nice town. You know, I, I know I've come to know a few people. It really is a great town. Um but here's the also the last thing that I wanted to say. I think that you're, I think that he's better off. I really do. I, I think that the exposure he's gotten because of this is going to ultimately pay off. I think that the fact that he already was taking a gap year to do, you know, all his, you know, whatever he was working on. I think the fact that he isn't even going to college this year, like who cares? Uh, and even if he has to push it off another year, I think even better. I, I think that if you're that active in your community and you're literally meeting with Trump, don't go to college. Wait two years, garner some experience, and then go to college. I, I think that you – honestly, I think that's brilliant, and I think more people should do that, truly. I think we'd be a lot better off if people went to college from 20 to 24 instead of 18 to 22. Yeah. If you look back, I don't know. I uh, I have family members that are college kids now, and I look at them. I'm like, you guys are so freaking young. Holy smokes. I, I, I look at them how I used to look at high schoolers. And then I look at high schoolers and I'm like, holy smokes. You're like, my kid. Old. 
Yeah. Yeah. You're literally like 10 years old. Yeah. No, I totally. Isn't that weird? When did that happen? Oh, well, that's going to happen forever. Like you now look at a 50 year old and you're like, wow, that guy's old. Well, you're going to turn 50 one day and you'll be like, dude, I feel like I'm 30. I wish. I don't know. Yeah. No, of course. I I don't feel like I'm 30 now. Right, dude, I'm turning 30 next week. I don't, I, I don't understand how I'm turning 30. I mean, I, I still look at myself like I'm 25. You know? Yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm there too. I feel like I'm, uh, I'm 25. That's a good, good age. We'll lock it in there. That's how old I am for the rest of my life. <laughs> 25 was a good time. It was. 25 was a good time. Isn't that when we met? I think I was 25 when we met. I think you were 23. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. So my point is this. Um, no, it was longer the, than that. Has it been? It was 2013. I don't even know. It was 2012. I just met yeah. you, and this is crazy. <laughs> I, I think that this is great for him. I don't understand why he said that this has been such a troubled time. I guess because it was a smear job, and that's kind of tough. I'm sure the trolls came out on him, but I mean, you're a tough kid, right? I mean, he, you're, he, he's, he's probably really bright. If I was him, I'd be, I'd be pretty thrilled with what happened. You know, unless of course he gets blackballed and like can't go to an Ivy League, then I'd feel really bad for him. Mm, right. It remains to be seen the response from the rest of the community. Right. Like if he ends, like if he goes to like Ohio State, you know, <laughs> if like he's going to be a Buckeye, what's wrong with that? No, I mean, I look nothing against Ohio State, but like it's not Harvard. I mean, <laughs> it's literally out of that league. Uh, that's all I'm saying. Like, if he goes to the to to a, a a normal decent school, but he doesn't go to an Ivy League school because of this, um, does it really matter? No, but dude, like, if you're a kid in that position and you always it's wanted to go, to, I guess. yeah, and like, he probably worked his balls off. I mean, he had a 3.95 GPA. He was ranked second in his class. Uh, you know, this guy's an all around stud. Yeah, yeah. I mean, academically, he he definitely has the credentials to go to Harvard. Um, he scored, I think, for 1590 on his SAT or like a 1550 or something like that. Um, well, is this their attempt to say like, well, lesson learned, kids, don't say the N word? Cause that's a again, really superficial way of sending that message. That's a very immature way of, of, of having somebody learn. And, it's extremely and, stupid. It's, yeah. It's extremely stupid. Um, I, I just think on so many levels and, and look, you can look at it and say, hey, man, you know, there's the smear jobs on the left. There's smear jobs on the right. That's true. There are smear jobs the on the left. doing business. Right. Sorry, bud. You're not going to college. But I also think it was a little it's a little more asinine when you look at the fact that if you understand who leaked the story, it was his classmates. Oh, um, my word. Who else is who else is, has access haters. to that? Think Some about it. John. haters. Exactly. Who else has that information? Yeah, they're like, oh, you're going to Harvard. Fuck you, kid. Exactly. Yeah, it's true. And then not only was it leaked and the Daily Beast ran with it like it was regular news on a on a Tuesday. Uh, not only did that happen, they went and then reached out to Harvard and, 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 and asked for for his his admission to be rescinded. So it's one thing to like leak it to the media and have the media lords, you know, basically have to have a field day with it because it's clickbait haven. That's cool. But then to go out to the institution and say, yeah, dude, you know, you got to screw this kid over. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah, that's not nice. That's I mean, not, think about it. That's not good. Uh, so I would, I would definitely feel feel bad for him if he didn't go to another Ivy League. I mean, uh, that's just that's just how I feel. You think someone it. was waiting in the wing? 
some kid was like, oh, just wait till you get accepted, you motherfucker. I'm going to murder you. Yeah, dude, it was one of those four or five kids. So it very well could have been the hog. Well, I don't know who was in the Google Doc. Well, it's got to be one of those kids in the Google Doc. It's got to be one of the kids in the Google Doc, and I don't know who was on the Google Doc. We're going to get to the bottom of it. Next episode, (laughs) sit down. (laughs) Everybody that was in that Google Doc. I do know. I do know. (laughs) I do know. Like kids that you know, he went to school with. You know. And we're gonna have sit down with that kid and slap him a couple times and tell him, "Listen, you can't be saying that shit. Have you grown up, bro? What's going on? We're gonna snatch him up in a van." Right. (laughs) Right. Um. Tough tough parenting. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, he's threatening to intimidate a shooting survivor. Are you listening to this? I. I mean, at the end of the day. Yeah, and then throw on top of that whole component of that traumatic event for the damn kid. But think about it. Like, wouldn't you change as a human being if you went through something like that? Forget Better. about racism. I mean, Better. don't you think, don't you think you'll look at the world a little differently? I mean, yeah. just in terms of everything, <laughs> you know, That's like true. forget about racism, just in terms of your whole life. Yeah. You know, I was going to throw a nugget. I'm just looking at my, uh, look, catching up on some news. Yeah. Totally. Uh, former president of Egypt. Uh, pending, uh, I think execution for, uh, espionage and spy and like that. He died in prison of old age. What? Yeah. Wait. Oh, oh, a long time ago he was? No, no, no. This is like fresh off the press. He was in jail for what? Egyptian state television announced today that Morsi collapsed during a court hearing on espionage charges in Cairo and later died, reportedly of a heart attack. This guy was the former uh, president of Egypt. Oh, oh, I, I don't. Okay, whoa, whoa, dude. <laughs> like, can we start with the backstory? I don't really know the backstory. There's a lot here to unpack, but this is hot off the press. Wow, dude. Um, wow, I gotta find the story. That's gonna be interesting. You know what? Can can next week's recording be about this guy? And we do like be. a deep dive yeah. on who this guy was. I do a little research. You do a little research. We'll bounce back on top of it. We'll do a whole thing. Very interesting. The history of Egypt, the kingship that they went through. Oh, we're going that deep? I just I want see, to talk I about I see we do guy. a deep dive on this guy and the social milieu that he grew out of. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Tune little, in next week for boom. some good. Mohamed some Morsi, good <laughs> former president of Egypt. That good, good. We're going to come at you with that good, good. Now, ooh, this guy looks like a ball. Wait till you hear about that. He looks like the Dosekis guy, like the Egyptian version. The Egyptian guy. This is the Egyptian's most interesting man. Dude, look at that guy. I mean, is there any anyone more badass Egyptian looking than this guy? Well, I don't know. He he sold out his country, apparently. Well, and I'm sure he didn't die of a heart well, I'm sure maybe he did die of a heart attack, but it may not have been natural causes. Whacked of natural causes. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, tell me you don't buy that. He was in a courtroom and he and he dropped dead. Sounds like an easy way to go out. Yeah, there's an Israel and Palestine section in this wiki. Y'all are going to love this. Boom. Stay tuned. A little tease. Tease. little tease for you. Political here's party is freedom and justice. It was, uh, there was a 2011 uh, detention. There's a Let's 2012. Save it. Let's save it. This is great. This is, this is it's a little auditory clickbait. Yeah, but dude, like you, I can spend hours like going through these sources on Wiki. Yeah, this is gonna sound great. Let's do a little study on him. Just pure facts, 
And then we'll interject with some bullshit opinions, obviously. But pure facts. That's the most important thing. That's what we're so about. We're in a world where all you get. Oh, this is the other thing I wanted to tell you during our hiatus. I have a little notebook here of all the thoughts that I was thinking about during our time off. I heard something brilliant. Someone told me, look, man, if you really cared about policy, you would turn on C-SPAN. If you really wanted to know what was happening on the Hill, you turn it on and you could watch what's going on with the lawmakers. But you don't. You turn on CNN, you turn on Fox. What are you getting? You're getting the political discourse on the stuff that allegedly happened. That's exactly what you're getting. That's what news is. And that's what sells. Because you know what's boring as fuck? C-SPAN. <laughs> C-SPAN is boring. Yes. You know what's not boring? Donnie Lemon dropping that liberal goodness on you about how <laughs> Donnie <laughs> Lemon. I mean, that's what sells. All right. The Johnson and Johnson and poster child African American person for CNN. That's correct. That's correct. Johnson it's, and Johnson. It's so pandering. It's, it's unbelievable. But yes, yes. But and the then, point is, and is then that how about like, how much of a character is Tucker Carlson on the other end too? I I, I have never consumed Tucker Carlson because uh, everything I've ever seen of him makes me want to vomit. It's hilarious is he as goofy as as the clips i've seen because all i've seen is the clips the clips are ridiculous it's it's so worth it's it's cannon fodder it's the right version of 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 like i don't know everybody else that i see on the right it's so funny i've been like i've become like (laughs) apolitical i'm just like that's hilarious that's hilarious i'm also burned out i'm sort of like tuned out at this point i kind of feel like all right what's this like I, i sort of have this like you know, like old guy, like tired of his marriage kind of thing. Like, oh, I know, again with this, like, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> again with this. Yeah. Like I read these stories and I'm like, I guess. Sure. Uh, how many handbags <laughs> and shoes do you need? Ah, again with this. Here we yeah. go. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> how much more breaking news do I need to hear? Wolf Blitzer, bring back the situation room. God damn it. But like I hear stuff and like I don't believe anything anymore. And I just feel like none of it matters. Yeah. Which so. is even, I guess, more scary because it does matter. Um, it, it really, so did we get the Mueller report what, or was that? I don't even know. Was the Mueller report during our time off during, during, uh, the intermission when the once dude, this is the last thing I'll add with once the Mueller report happened. And then like, obviously like it was a dud, then I, that's when I knew none of this doesn't matter. If you can't, if you can't capitalize on that, I'm sorry. Yeah. You were in a breakaway right there. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> You're gonna put all your eggs in this basket and have it just be. Then you whiff. And you whiffed. You just you don't even deserve to be in power. Swing and a miss. Yeah. yeah. You don't even deserve to be there. That, that's I kind of felt in that moment. You know what? At least that team's winning. Winning, Charlie Sheen. What's going on with Charlie Sheen? I haven't heard about him recently. I'm sure Charlie Sheen is vastly enjoying his life. Is he winning? I mean, I don't know if excessive drug use and. Rampant sex is going to bring you ultimate happiness, but yeah, that that, that seems a little empty. Uh, I don't know. Having a good time. <laughs> I mean, sure. Um, I I don't know what he's doing. I mean, he what? Well, I'm sure he's not on a meditation journey, and you know, he very well might be. You don't know that. He can change. That's true. Anybody can change. I do believe anybody can change. I don't believe people change, but I believe, I believe people can change. I don't believe that there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, but there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. <laughs> All right. Tune in next week for that deep dive. Deep dive. Mohammed Morsi. Dude, if we have an audience, they're, they are vastly nerdy. 
If you have an audience, they have of equal ADD as we do. Because if anyone can can listen to this discontinuity of just streaming of babbling goodness, then hey. Well, you know what? For those of you out there, uh, all 42 of you, thank you for listening. Uh, truly, truly. Thanks, uh, it's great, to, it's great to be back. And the last thing I want to leave you guys with is this. Uh, John and I, uh, season two has kicked off. I, I moved to Florida, and, and the, most of you who listen know this. So we're actually not in the same location, but thanks to the miracle that is the Internet, I actually believe that we're going to record more than when we lived uh, within 0.3 miles of each other in the heart of New York City. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if we can do... We're getting intentional with scheduling. We scheduled this a week and a half out. Right. We're going to come at you once or twice a week with that buttery goodness. Sometimes I'll come at you with some stuff. John will come at you with some stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to we're season two. The, the one thing I will say about season two is we're going to expand sort of the content uh, schedule. Uh, I'll be dropping in thoughts. I've encouraged John to do the same. And even if he pulls out his phone and just like, you know, has a thought and wants to share with you guys, I think it would be really valuable to sort of switch it up to have like sort of this, this episodic sort of structure and also just that random tidbits. You know, we're, we're pushing the edge. We're pushing the edge of the genre. That's what we're doing. I don't even think we have a genre. We're just out there. <laughs> I love how I just took, uh, recording voice notes to <laughs> pushing the edge of the genre. I think that's what we know to call it. <laughs> what genre are we, do we call it? <laughs> when, when when I take the spin job to pushing the end of a genre, I, I think uh, <laughs> it was all good. That babbling, buttery goodness, but hey, he pulled genre. out that bullshit about how he's revolutionizing podcasting. We're changing the game. <laughs> we're changing. We're on that new shit, bro. <laughs> you don't know about this. <laughs> yeah, you don't know about this. Um. If, if there is a way for our fans or our listeners or whoever the hell is listening is, uh, to interact and have any suggestions in terms of direction or things that we should cover, uh, let us know somehow. Josh is the whiz that controls all that stuff. I just, uh, show up and say stupid shit. So you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Josh Faye, J-O-S-H-F-A-Y-Z. Or if you have the Anchor app, you can open the Anchor app, find our podcast, or if you listen to our podcast, they're awesome. Thank you. And there's a little voice notes feature on the bottom, and we will play your your, uh, your playback. Yeah, we will do that. Uh, and uh, I, I do believe we have some in the pipeline. That's all I will say. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Looking forward to it. Season two. Season two, guys. Thanks for joining. Thank you so uh, much, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Take it easy. Bye-bye.